Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. If I stop bouncing, the screaming starts again. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Don't leave the baby unattended with a scary omen sibling like I was. With Margaret Aples and Amy Wilson. We're going to send it through a series of metal tubes to your ears. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. Bye-bye, baby Samus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And this week, we're talking about listener questions. We asked you guys to go to our website and click on where it says, what topics do you want to hear on the show? You have to go over to the right sidebar on whatfreshhellpodcast.com and send us your questions. And we told you we would play some on the air. And that's what we're going to do. Not on the air. I mean, on the, I don't know, what, what would you call this? We on could the, say on the air. On the on webs. On the podcast. On the, on on the, the show. I'm playing it. On the internets. And we're going to do fine. it today. We're going to send it through a series of metal tubes to your ears, these questions. <laughs> Everyone get out two tin cans and build a <laughs> string that leads to our houses and you'll be able to hear this. So I think we should just jump right in. Our first listener question comes from David and let me play it. Hi, Amy and Margaret. My name's David, longtime listener, first time caller. I have a couple of questions for you. And if you are interested in either of them or put either of them on the podcast, I would be super psyched. Um, okay. My question is about preparing one child for the arrival of a subsequent child. My wife and I have a daughter who's almost two, she turns two in a couple weeks. And we have a son on the way in December. And I'm just curious what y'all's thoughts and experiences have been on what to do or say to prepare a child for the arrival of a new sibling. Okay, David, I like this question, but I'm going to give you slightly in response the dreaded Amy Wilson's grandma response, which is... Tweet, tweet, <laughs> tweet, tweet. In case you don't know what that means, David, and maybe other new listeners, it means when my grandmother used to say it when just something was she just thought like, this is just not something that I would have ever done. Like 100 presents on Christmas morning, tweet, tweet. Like going out for ice cream after a piano recital, tweet, tweet. Why don't you just, you know, get a smack with a ruler and send home? So so she would say, you're right, she would say tweet, tweet about this. Everybody had 1,100 kids, so why would you care? Right. I do think this is a factor of modern parenting, the idea of like, I need to mentally prepare a two-year-old for the arrival of a sibling. 
So there is some literature and thoughts out there about this. Think about where the baby's going to be sleeping. Think about what is going to change very specifically in your two-year-old's environment, right? So like, I know for me, I had a baby when my big guy was 18 months old and I moved him to a big boy bed because I only had one crib and I wasn't going to get two cribs. So I had to move my guy to the big boy bed. And I did try to do that in advance of the baby arriving. So it didn't feel like day one, you're evicted and now someone sleeps in your bed and you get this different bed. I tried to make it seem like a fun, exciting adventure. We already did a whole episode on transitions, which you can listen to where I talked about the complete nightmare that was setting up the big boy bed. But I would not overthink this one in a very fundamental way. Tweet, tweet. It's going to be fine for a thousand, thousand years. Siblings have faced other siblings coming home and they have survived it. You know, I will say that this was something I remember really being worried about this when I was pregnant with number two. And my number one was he was very little. He was 15, 16 months old, toddling around. I was really fixated on like, wow, this is going to be really tough for him because you just I think part of this concern comes from our own concern of how am I going to love two kids as much as I love this one kid? And if I can't do that, then I must be taking something away from this first kid. And oh, then, but I know the answer to that, Amy. You know what? What? Love is not possible. Well, that yeah. So that's what I was going to say. But you don't really know how this is possibly going to happen before the second baby is born. So your concern about the how is this first baby going to take it is partially, I think, your own anxiety of can I do this? Can I love this well twice? And the answer is yes, you can. And it becomes immediately apparent as soon as the second baby is born. But I think the concern is real and all the parents have it. But really, some of it's about are being able to do it. And you can, you can do it. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, I have told the story on the podcast before that my mom got called into my kindergarten. I was the youngest of three kids. And then five years later, my sister was born and my mom got called into my kindergarten class because I had drawn a picture of a baby's tombstone. And I explained when my kindergarten teacher tried to say to me at five, I had actually drawn uh, my mom pregnant with the baby and then the baby's tombstone. And she's like, oh, you've shown the whole circle of life. The baby is born. And then years and years and years and years later, the baby dies. And to which I responded, some babies die sooner than that. (laughs) And then my mom did get called in. I would keep an eye on how your new child is actually reacting to the addition. And it's great to take time out. Put the sharp knives away. Don't leave the baby unattended with a scary omen sibling like I was. But basically, this happens all the time. You can carve out some time to spend with your older kid. You can talk about it in an exciting way. You can try not to be like, get out of the high chair, it's the baby's now, and do everything where it's like, try to not underscore the thing of like, your replacement has arrived and we give them more attention than you. You can work against that. But my overall feeling on this is tweet, tweet. It'll be fine. I have two more ideas on this, two more sort of practical thoughts that are easy to do. And again, I always come at this from a point of, yeah, the kid's going to be fine, but you want to make it easier on you as parents too. And if feeling less guilty makes you feel better and makes you get five more minutes of sleep, then hallelujah. I think you're right, Margaret, that you do need to try to untether, if possible, the transitions that may be occurring. I mean, part of the reason this is hard, it is a two-year-old that's going to be 
being potty trained and a big boy bed and starting school and all these big transitions for very little kids. If possible, the ones that you're in control of, untether those from the new baby's arrival, right? So you're not moving the bed two days before the baby comes. And also, I think it's okay to let things go a bit. When my second baby was born, my oldest child, I was like, oh, he really shouldn't have that pacifier in his mouth anymore. But I, for the first couple of weeks, that new baby was home, as much pacifier as he wanted. Blankie out of the crib, you know, extra stories, whatever he wanted. Little comforts, lots of sitting on somebody's lap, even if it couldn't be mine. Just let him have it. It is a little bit of of a transition for them. And don't choose that moment to also lower the boom on diapers. And I had my third born. Yeah. My third was born when my first was three and just out of diapers and he regressed and was peeing everywhere. And I just put him back in diapers. I was like, all right, we're not going to fight this battle this week. Like know how many battles you are able to fight. And also, sometimes it's really fun to involve the big kid in taking care of the baby. So like lots of like, oh, you know, it'd be so helpful if you could go get baby's blanket, you know, and then the older kid feels a little bit more like I have a new role, helpful, big sibling versus this is just a usurper come to take my throne. When we came home from the hospital with number two, he was in his, you know, tiny little car seat and he was sound asleep. And we came in and our older son was playing with my, my parents were there and he was playing with his, his cars and trucks as he always was. And we just took the sleeping baby and put him in the next room. We didn't walk in like, here's the baby. We could see that he wasn't paying any attention and the infant was asleep. We put the infant in the bedroom, came out, you know, oh my gosh, we missed you. Hi. Like, you know, 10 minutes of trucks, then the, then, then the sound. And, and I remember Connor heard it first. He said, what's, you know, what's that? And we said, oh, I think that's your, your, brother, he's calling you. Let's go say hello. And it was was sort of lucky that it worked out that way. But it did feel nice in the moment that it got to be we got to reintroduce ourselves to him like, see, everything's normal. It's just like it used to be, except now everything's completely different. But let it, you know, let it, let it be gradually apparent. I actually have a funny story about this because he was, Connor seemed to be handling it amazingly well. We didn't have any tantrums or extra potty accidents or anything. He was doing great. About two weeks after his younger brother was born, we got the okay from the pediatrician. And okay, he's gaining weight. You're doing okay. And we were moving to Pennsylvania for a couple of weeks. It was over the summer so that I could get lots of help from lots of family members with two boys under two. Anyway, we were so proud of how the older one was handling it. We pack up the car. We put them both in their car seats. We're about to drive away from the front of our apartment building. And Connor pulls his pacifier out of his mouth and he says, bye-bye, baby Samus. And he, <laughs> and that's why he had been there. That's why he had been so good for two weeks because he was like, phew, that was that was stressful. It was a tough two weeks, yeah. but at least we're rid of that guy yeah. now. Now it's just me and Nana. And, you know, we turn around I'm like, no, no, baby Seamus is coming with us. Look, look, there he is. He's right next to you. He was not happy about that. So no, he's like, wait a minute. This guy's staying. Is <laughs> that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> well, my dad always tells a story that his friend is a pediatrician tells like you can't approach it as like the luckiest thing has happened a new member of the family because that is not how they see it and he's like imagine amy that your david comes home and he's like amy i have some great news the new wife arrives today her name is sarah you're gonna love her it's like no no i'm good i'm the wife like i don't need another wife like it is it's fine to keep in mind that it may not be completely easy i think constantly screaming at your kid, isn't this the best? You're going to love him is the wrong way to play it. But 
you know, we've survived in mind. for a thousand years right. of siblings arriving. Right. You and I are both survivors, as is everybody listening, right? Yeah. Although my little sister barely survived, it would appear, <laughs> but she did manage to pull through. Maggie barely survived. She had some older brothers who were very like, oh, Maggie, you're so cute. Like, you no, know, a little bit too fervent in their cheek pinching. A little rough. Little rough. Yeah. So keep yeah. an eye on it and but roll with it a little bit. Your fears are greater than the reality will be for sure. You'll be fine. All right. So great first question. And we are going to take our next question after this break. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids turns out that is the key to seeing optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Okay, we're back and we have another listener question. Hi, Margaret and Amy. My name is Rachel. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm a longtime listener. And I wanted to ask if you guys had any advice or encouragement for somebody who has a high needs, kind of high demand, fussy baby. My daughter is nine months old and she has a hard time being soothed by anyone but me. Um, and she is not a self soother. And Amy, I read your book. It was really good. And I think you had a baby like this. And I just wanted you to see if you guys had any advice or tips. Thanks. Rachel, I did have a baby like this. Were any of your babies, Margaret, particularly fussy and non self soothing Oh, yes. 
Oh, yes. I had a baby like this. My first was like this. And it's really hard when it's your first baby because your spidey sense does tingle pretty quickly. Like, this is, I know it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be this hard. But I feel like often the pediatricians kind of don't listen to you and say, well, babies cry. No, yeah, that's the way it is. No, I know it's tough, mom. And it took me a long time to get my baby's doctor to listen to me that something was up. And the armor that I finally went in with that got me somewhere was me saying like, both grandmothers have told me this is not how a baby is supposed to be all the time. And then they listen to me. It's hard when people don't take it seriously. And I th- and did it turn out there was an underlying issue? Yes, reflux, mm. bad reflux. And I went on a, I was nursing, so I went on a dairy-free diet. And he started taking a Zantac twice a day. And over the next couple of weeks, things, yeah, the sun came out. But what I remember being the hardest is when, when I was in this is he would cry, like whenever my mom, like anybody, anybody who would try to hold him for a minute he'd start to cry or scream or whatever. And they'd say, oh, I think he wants his mommy. Oh, I think he might be hungry. And as soon as he started to fuss, whoever was taking care of him would get uncomfortable and immediately hand him back to me. One, because they didn't know how to deal, but two, because like, oh, mommy, I think he wants his mommy as if I were more capable of soothing him, which I didn't feel like I was all the time. And I guess I would if I could go back to my sleep deprived self, then I would tell that person, you need to when he is asleep for 15 minutes, you need to tell your partner, your mom, the babysitter who comes four hours a week, like, I don't know how to do this better than you, but I do need a break. And we might have to let him cry sometimes. Here's what I know that works. Sometimes it doesn't work, but I need you to give it a shot so that it's not just on you, mom, to be trying to do it all the time. I agree. And I have several things to add. The first thing I'm going to say is, of course, you all understand that Amy and I have no medical expertise whatsoever. So all of our advice on these kind of topics, you should be consulting with a pediatrician. We are not experts or doctors, so this should not be considered medical advice. With that in mind, I would say step one for me would be to make a schedule and start keeping a journal of when the baby is fussy. Because often we feel like our baby is fussy 24 hours. And when I had my fussy baby, I started keeping a very meticulous log of when the baby was fussy. And it helped me sort out what the possible problems were and when the baby was fussy when there were no problems. So you want to rule out that the baby's not hungry or tired. You also want to rule out that the baby's not sick. So your pediatrician should be part of this conversation. I had babies when I was breastfeeding. I had some breastfeeding issues and my pediatrician told me four o'clock in the afternoon was big bottle time. And so at four o'clock in the afternoon, I was a formula slash breastfeeder. I had some trouble with production, so I was not able to exclusively breastfeed. And at four o'clock in the afternoon, I would just, the baby would cry from four until nine every night. And I started doing a big bottle at four o'clock in the afternoon. That was a formula bottle in my case, but if you're pumping, you could pump. Also a nine month old is eating food. So making sure that your baby is full at the times that you identify the fussies are coming on are good. You also mentioned that hard to soothe the baby from anyone but you. So like really listen to Amy there that like, if people are like, oh, you must want his mom. I don't, she, I think you said your baby is. If she wants, must want mom. The more you can let other people figure out how to soothe her, the better it is going to be for you. So even if that process is daunting and challenging, I would keep working on it. You know, I had a babysitter with my fussy baby. God bless her. She was amazing because she would take him for a walk around New York City in the stroller for like 
3 to 5 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And she would tell me that he slept the whole time and he was fine. I mean, he screamed all the time. So she'd come back and I'd say, like, was he okay? Did he sleep? And she'd say, yeah, he was perfect. He was an angel. And of course, it was maybe a year or two later that she told me, oh, no, no, no. There were times. There were times when I was walking with him in the park and he screamed. He screamed the whole time we were walking. But she was a babysitter who had loved many babies. She was wonderful. And she knew he was okay. This is just what this baby does. And she knew that I needed the break from the stress of worrying about the fussiness. So take that break. Don't play into the story that you tell yourself, as Margaret would say, that you were the only one who can fix this. Don't let other people tell you that. And don't start to believe that for yourself. Because your kid is going to need, as she gets older, as you start to go out for dinner once in a while and leave her with a babysitter or, or you know, whoever, you're going to need for it not to be all on you. And a fussy baby, it might become a kid who's afraid of the dark. They tend to be kids who have sensitivities. Their sensitivities when they're little, they have sensitivities as they get older, and they need to learn how to be in charge of those things for themselves because they'll calm down faster. So be careful of being the only repository of soothing. Absolutely great advice. And absolutely. The headline for this is it gets better. It stinks when you're in it. It is so bad. But the headline is this will pass and you will barely remember it. I had a kid who I could not soothe unless I was holding and bouncing on a yoga ball. And my back would like seize up. Like I could not keep bouncing. But the minute I stopped bouncing, he would cry. I felt like I was in a horror movie. Like either like it was like the thing of like don't stop bouncing or the baby it was like speed you know like if you if the bus goes me below 55 it explodes like i was like if i stop bouncing the screaming starts again it's exhausting hopefully you have a baby carrier because that can often soothe babies down and i would also at about nine months like you're coming out of what would be like the most traditional colicky period so don't be afraid to go to your pediatrician and say hey what's going on here is it possible there's a chronic ear infection situation is it possible that that there is a reflux and try to get to the bottom of, is there something that's causing this fussiness? And then if you can find places where the baby is not fussy, like the car, don't be afraid to just drive around in the car. Just drive around and around the block, you know, whatever it takes. When it comes to the pediatrician, the records that Margaret was mentioning, they are your friend. In my case, with my eight-week-old, who just was horrible, it was really, it was me saying the grandmother's say, but it was also me coming in with a chart of his eating and sleeping that looked like, I talk about this in the book, it looked like a random computer punch card. There was no pattern. It was a patternless 24-7 And it was when they could see like, oh, I see he's sleeping for 40 minutes every four hours and there is no long stretch. And he nurses like 11 times a day. They could see that something was wrong. And so uh, I think charts and records are your friend in this, too. If you need to prove to a professional that this is something that's beyond a fussy baby and a first time mom. Yeah, absolutely. And keep the faith. It does get better. But if there's something, it's worth really, step one for me is that schedule. Get on it and start really writing down everything that happens so that you have information to go to the pediatrician. Because often you have that thing, which we've all had of like, this kid is mental, totally crazy, can't stand it, cries all the time. And then you bring the child to the pediatrician and they just like goo goo gaga. (laughs) And then they... (laughs) 
<laughs> pediatrician looks at you like, okay, crazy. It's an old deluxe alert. Back in my day. The frog and the Warner Brothers, the old Bugs Bunny commercial. Yes. Remember he was in Hello, the box? Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Oh, there's no way a person with a nine-month-old baby knows that reference. Amy. No. There's no way. So You're your totally grandmother, me, as old as your grandmother. Yes. I- I'm going to put it up on our show page on whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. There was a old cartoon with the frog that only, that can sing, but he only sings when nobody else can hear him except the guy who caught him and he ends up <laughs> losing everything over this frog that only sings when nobody else is listening. So the baby's the inverse of that is what we're saying. Doesn't that solve everything? Yes. The baby is there, I solved the it. baby is the inverse of the Warner Brothers frog. Okay, great question. <laughs> All right. That was a good question though, Rachel. And please keep us updated on how that old fussy baby's doing. She'll be fine. So we are going to take another question after this. And now, the types of moms you will definitely meet at school pickup from the What Fresh Hell podcast. The disorganized mom. Where does Mrs. Smith's class line off for the third grade? Oh, wait, no, my kid is in second grade. Is there a teacher named Mrs. Smith? The humble bragger. I would love to get some recommendations for books for my first grader because he's already read everything that we have at the house. And it's so hard to find appropriate material for him because he reads on a fourth grade level. It's really such a dilemma. The PTA mom. Have you signed up yet for the bake sale? We also need someone to run the nutrition committee and I think you'd be a great fit. Or the fourth grade play set decorating committee. That is always a fun one. The documentarian mom. Oh my gosh, let me get a picture of you too. Look at how cute they are. Give me a thumbs up, guys. Oh my gosh, let me get a picture of the whole group. Come on, come on. Okay, one more. Okay, one more. Okay, now this way. The over it mom. This is my fourth kid. I cannot wait to stop doing this. Yo, Mary, I'm over here on the bench. Tell your teacher I said it's okay for first graders to self-dismiss. The not ready to let go, mom. Don't you just wish you could just freeze them at this age forever? No. I mean, I just hate to think of them growing at all. It makes me want to cry. You know what I mean? Not at all. I just wish I could just dip him in amber so he'd never, ever change. Whoa, do not agree. This has been the types of moms you will definitely meet at school pickup from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L U M E N dot M E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is. 
toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, we're back and it's time for our next listener question. Hi, this is Christine from Ottawa. I have two kids, a boy and a girl, 15 months apart, and they're now five and six, and they fight constantly. I spend my days breaking their fights up and trying not to go insane. So my question to you is how, or hopefully you have some suggestions for me on how I can get them to either stop fighting or be respectful to each other and also take a deep breath in those moments and calm myself down and don't get too frustrated with them. Um, I kind of alternate between being hovering and ignoring them and both ways either no one wins, they either both end up in timeout or I feel like I'm going insane. So if you have any suggestions on uh, sibling fighting that would be very helpful. Thank you. Christine, this is a good question. I have kids who are 18 months apart, two boys, so I can really smell what's cooking at your house, and it is a problem. Christine, but, oh my gosh. Christine is all of us, first of all, right? Christine is all of us. It's like Spartacus. I am Christine. And how close are your boys? Mine are 19 months apart. And yes, so we're all in the same basic boat of terrors. I feel like this waxes and wanes. And I know that that might be of only small comfort right now, Christine, but this is a place that I have very much been with those two boys in the past and am not right now. So you just need to keep them both alive for another 10 years. No problem. No, I know that's not that helpful, but this is, it is intense. When they're in it, it is incredibly intense. And I have thoughts, but you were going to say something, Margaret. What were you going to say? Yeah, well, I think Christine sets up the dynamic in this question of the two choices are hovering, helicoptering, and constantly putting people in timeout or ignoring it, right? And just kind of letting it go and get out of control. And I'm not sure those are your only two options. Right. Are they ignoring it? I hear you, Christine, that they're ignoring it. Like somebody can get hurt, right? You get like, my kids used to give each other face rakes. Like they, you know, <laughs> it was. What is a face rake? Like fingernails, like 
like dug into the skin. Down the face. Yeah, like Freddy Krueger, but in real life. I like that you have a term for that. Like it happens so often. You're like, uh-oh, the old face rake. The face rake. I was a pincher with my brother. That was my, um, like the, the lower arm. That was my uh, uh, fighting of choice. We had biting for a while. We had a couple oh bites that broke the skin. Full bites. Yes. I agree that just ignore it is mm-mm. No, it, it can't just ignore it. No, it can ramp up to, uh, to unsafe levels quickly. But I think there's a great way to stop the hovering. I have a great way too, but I want to hear yours first. I wonder if it's the same. I, it probably is. I mean, my basic rule is that I don't get invi- involved. If it's a game, the rule is like they're playing on the slack line. We have a slack line outside. Oh, I've yeah. already sung the wonders of the slack line, but like we have to put a picture of that up on Instagram at What Fresh Hellcast because it's hard to picture what you mean. And I've seen it in action. It's a great toy. It's an active toy. It's really fun. The rule is. I think the more you can put it on the two of them, the better. So the rule on the slack line is if you are fighting on the slack line, you come off the slack line. Mm. If you can work it out together, you may keep playing. Anyone who has any physical contact with another sibling comes out and goes into timeout. Period. End of story. You do not hit anyone. I have a nine-year-old who's still 10-year-old. He just turned 10. But he'll punch someone. But he was really annoying me. But once again, let's revisit our rule. I don't care what happens. No one puts a hand on anyone else in my house. Period. If you hit, you're out and you're in timeout, no matter what the other person was doing to you. So you set some very fundamental rules, but the idea is like play is fun. Kids want to engage in play, but if they're just playing randomly, but they're usually playing with something, they're playing with dinosaurs, they're playing with trucks, they're playing on the swing set, whatever it is. If you two can work this out together, you can keep playing. If you cannot, this game ends. I, like I find that. it very effective. I like that advice. My advice is different, but your advice has given me a corollary to my advice, which I'm going to okay. add. Hit me. I wasn't going to. So here's where I come from on this. Like I said, my boys are not like this now, but they were not so very long ago. And the epiphany I had is that they were like a dog and a rooster. And if I were a, a lady farmer with a dog oh, a lady and farmer. a rooster, you know, those people. I just spent yesterday at a farm and I'm always like, oh, this would be wonderful to own a farm. And then I step into the pig pen and I'm like, <laughs> oh, geez, never going to happen. No, but if too much poop on the farm. Yeah. yeah you have other things to worry about if you're a farmer mom, right? We're if I were a pioneer woman and I had a dog and a rooster, I would not put them in the same confined space and then be exasperated that they fought all the time. They are a dog and a rooster. They can't be in the same confined space. They can't play together without fighting. So don't have that expectation. And when my kids were really in this, they fight all the time, they fight all the time, face raking stage. I face rake. I mean, yeah, like, you know, they like, is this a term that people know? Oh, I think so. please go on Facebook <laughs> and explain to me if you have used the term face. I have never heard that before. I like how you just keep throwing it out. Like, oh, you know, face rake. I've never heard of a face rake. Too many girls in your family, right? Only only one boy. And he was he was. Yeah, we weren't face rakers. rakers. Yeah, there was a time when I just separated them. Just play in separate rooms. Just play with separate things. And to that, I would add the corollary of yours that when I would come upon them face raking over the, the train set or whatever, and I'd just be like, that's it, you're separated. I think what I didn't always do looking back was separate them both from the thing that they wanted. And that's what I yes. would make sure to do in this situation is now neither of you get to play with the trains because because you threw the train at your brother and I told you you can't do that. You know, one of those heavy wooden trains. So now you both have to go do something else. 
Or if one kid was a clear aggressor, you remove the aggressor, right? If there's two face rakers, then they both get removed and you don't get to I have I think the you trains. will remove both of them generally as my default because I also have pot stirrers and I don't have a face raker. But if I did, there's a pot stirrer and a face raker. Like, especially with my girl, she tends to be a little bit more, she stirs, <laughs> my niece was famous in our family. There could be 12 cousins over and you would walk in and 11 kids are crying and my niece would be just sitting in there in the middle, like looking at you with these big doll eyes and be like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> she did something. Like the pot stirrer and the face raker, you're both out. Like if you guys cannot figure out how to play kindly together on this, you're both away from it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it puts the onus on them to say, if we want to play, if we want to stay at the pool, if we want to do anything fun, we have to figure out how to get along. Not mom is the arbiter of who's right and wrong in every discussion. I think that's the quicksand that you get pulled into. The thing is, Christine, five and six, this is going on for several more years. The other thing I correct constantly in my house is tone of voice. I will just walk into the room and say, we do not speak to each other that way in this house constantly. I sound like such an old lady, but that is my go-to line. Who are you speaking to in my house that way? That's not how we speak in this house. I'm sorry. Okay. And then we get into a lot of like, I would watch the like forgiveness. I'm sorry. Apologize to each other. We get a lot of like, I'm sorry. It's not okay. I'm sorry sorry. Like you're separated. You're out. It's the hearth. Like the hearth is warm. And if you mess up at the hearth, you got to step away. Like you can come back when you both can figure out how to play nicely together. And if you can't, you can't do the activity. You're right. Don't engage in the, as I always say to my kids, I heard it the first time I was right here. I don't need now each of you to explain like it's Rashomon, you know, here's your version of events. Here's your version of events. Like I was in the next room. I heard the screaming and the throwing of the train. It doesn't matter. I don't want the replay. We're not going to discuss it anymore at the end. Remove yourself from the discussion and make it in their best interest. If they want to keep the Xbox on, if they want to stay at the pool till dinner time, whatever it is, you're right. You have to make it in their best interest to get along or at least peacefully coexist. And if they're really at a point where they can't even do that, then, you know, find two rooms in your house and set up. Yeah. Two ways to play. And this is one of those places where you mean it when you say it. Oh, yeah. If you guys cannot play the Xbox together without fighting, you guys figure it out. And the thing is, it's giving them the skills that they need to figure it out. And then I will often say to the other party, my sons are very big on to like, he never, never plays what I want to play. And I will say to my older son, do you hear what your brother is telling you? He's upset because he feels like you always get the choice. Is there a way you can work this out? Okay, I'll give him the choice this time. Like I sometimes try to underscore the discussion, but I am not the arbiter of the discussion. The kids are the arbiters. And arbitrating, arbiting, arbitrating, what would you call it? I believe it's arbitrating arbitrating when they're in red brain is not productive. So, so no, so don't do it. Separate, calm down. And it doesn't feel good for them when you take sides. Then you get into like, you always Mm -hmm. take his side. You like him better. It's just the question of like, and it may be a little unfair for somebody who just got face raked and wasn't really the aggressor, but you guys, you cannot play this game if you can't get along. Yeah, because because you're right. You have to be aware of what might have, what totally justified... (laughs) 
the face raking that was was given in response. Not that anything justifies a face rake, but yeah, there might have been a long build up to that that you didn't hear while they were. And it's the old lifeguard rule. Sharpening. Like if you swim out to a drowning person, they pull you in. Yeah. You know, and so that's why lifeguards swim out with flotation devices and stuff, because you get into a heated situation and the drowning person is going to pull you under and you're both going to drown. Like that's like what it's like to go in and arbitrate a fight between two little kids. Yeah. So you don't go in and get in the situation with them. You just come in as the kind of neutral arbiter who is not in the middle of it. But he said, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. Figure it out, get along or separate. Goodbye. You're just not there to like rehear people's court. Like, but he took it. No, stay out of it. And this gets better too. It does. It does. But the more you put the onus of getting along on them instead of on you, the better it gets and the faster it gets better. Yeah. I agree. We solved it. I like that question. We had a couple, guys. We had more listener questions that we didn't get to. So we'll be doing another listener question episode. And we definitely want to hear from you about what your questions are. You can ask us a question on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhellcast. You could just type a question That's to us. That's true. But even better. Instagram, you can go to Instagram, whatfreshhellcast. We're starting to have a lot of fun conversations on there. That's the cool place to be, Instagram. And, every, and all the moms all the, are there. Amy just says that because she manages our Yes, Instagram. I do. I manage our Facebook. So come to Facebook. I have conversations with people every day on, on Instagram. It's fun. And you can also go to our show page, which is whatfreshhellpodcast.com. On the right sidebar, there's a uh, little gray sidebar and it says, what do you want to hear in the show? And there's a microphone. It's facing sideways, guys. Facing you got to tilt your head sideways to see it. got to go 90 degrees. And you send us a message. That's how Rachel and Christine and David sent us their questions. And it was really fun. And let's get some more questions. This is great. And guys, don't forget Twitter. Everyone's on on Twitter these days. They're tweeting. They're tweet, tweet, tweeting. That's at WFH podcast. You know, I want to say, yes, I want to say one more thing, which is that if you don't want us to, if you have a question and you don't want us to say your name on the air, we don't have to. If you don't want it to be your voice, but you have a question, that's okay too. Just send us the questions. Just type them out. We'll keep you completely anonymous if you have something you can't have shared with the world. Let's get a Dateline NBC like voice warping tool and I'll put that on too. (laughs) There you go. This caller did not want to reveal her identity when talking about how annoying her Mother lies. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. All right, guys, enough with the silliness. Do us one more thing. Subscribe to the podcast. Don't just listen once a week. We need you to subscribe. There are directions yeah. that Amy has helpfully put on the website. They're also on the website on the sidebar. Yep. How to subscribe. Please subscribe. Go check it out. Helps our show Do grow. it, guys. Helps our show grow. Tell a friend. And with that, thanks for your great listener questions. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. 
I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.